Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian, with me as always are Vince and Zach, and we are here to talk about the comics coming out on May 24th, 2022, starting with Batman Fortress number one. This is written by Gary Whitta, illustrated by Derek Robertson. Gary Whitta, for those who don't know, uh, wrote the screenplay to Rogue One, a Star Wars story. So uh, let's start with Zach. What did you think of this uh, Batman comic? I liked it more than I expected to. Same. And, um, Do you agree with us or no? Yes. Um, well, we'll, yes. Get, we'll, we'll get into more in a minute. I just wanted to know generally. <laughs> then yeah. yes. Okay. Zach, yeah. continue. Um, okay. So just kind of going through here, there are a few times. There are a few, so we, we open up with these three uh burglars trying to break into wayne manor during the this blackout that's happened and the first one's name is vince and for a second i was like is gary with a a dc3 cast listener and are these guys gonna be named vince zach and brian that would be the greatest moment of our lives uh but then it was not to be the second second one's name is freddie which i don't know how bruce knows that (laughs) he just out of nowhere calls him freddie maybe that's just his nickname you know what because somebody else called him freddie i believe earlier i don't know if that is true because yeah it does for the first line of dialogue they have don't go yelling on us now freddie okay okay i guess i overlooked that and then he says, Carl's right. So we, we know yeah, all you're right. Oh, OK. I Well, I didn't even pay attention to either of them until we got to Vince. And I still hope <laughs> that they were named after us. But um, so so which of you is Freddie and which of you is uh, Carl? Carl. Uh, I feel uh, like I feel like I'm Freddie. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, Freddie Salvatore. Hey. Exactly. It's yeah, more ethnic. Yeah. 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 And, and Zach is, I'm Carl. Yeah. 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 Um, this, uh, this interaction between Gordon and um, uh, what's uh, Bullock it felt very, uh, I don't know, the, the way that they look is very, this, I don't know. This, this book whole is not... book is Batman the Animated Series almost. Yeah, yeah, yes, that's what yes, I was going to say. Absolutely. And it doesn't it it like doesn't look like it, but it feels like it. Yes. In a good way. Yes. Um and it doesn't not look like it. Like I think like like other than that it's not the Bruce Tim style. Sure. Yeah, yeah. The the general like Gotham like looks similar, yeah. Gotham yeah. looks similar. Sure. Bruce's costume looks similar enough. You know, like Gordon is of that era enough. You know, it's yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely trying to evoke that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think the premise is really interesting. I think when this was announced, it was kind of like the the mystery is you know is Superman behind this because he's conspicuously absent, and that that plays throughout this. And I think it works a lot better than I had initially anticipated. And I like how this issue was just focused on. Bruce and Gotham but it seems like the next issue is going to increase in scope and bring in the Justice League and and I'm very interested to see what kind of Justice League we get if it's like a very typical classic big seven league or if it's something a little bit more see see if they like play around a little bit more um 
the only part of this that I didn't like was the middle where Bruce kind of goes on patrol and just like kind of waxes about um, the How woes we of kill so- the Joker. Well, the woes of society, you know, uh, um, like, uh, you know, in my father's day, the American dream used to mean something, you know, liberty yeah. and justice for all, but it's just an illusion, a carrot on a stick. <laughs> attainable by a few dangled out of reach for everyone else bigger tv a faster car i mean none of it is like he's right it just like it just comes across so ham-fistedly to me it's like it it comes across as written by somebody who doesn't quite realize how comics are written that and it's also like maybe this is i'm just being like extremely jaded and like cynical but it comes across like baby's first dsa meeting or something you know what i mean like it's just like yes yes it's just like very it's like bruce's eyes have been open <laughs> to, to, to the woes of society and it just it just i just thought it was a little silly and and, and overwrought uh in the middle of this it, it kind of feels out of place with the rest of the book i think um it does it's it's the writer it's the writer inserting their view yes yeah yeah yes it's also i i think that this is a a classic case of again somebody who maybe isn't super familiar with like the monthly comic grind trying to say something quote adult Mm -hmm. within a comic you know what i mean just like thinking this is profound whereas these exact ideas have been articulated better and less clunkily in the past yeah yeah um it's yeah it's not like i disagree with anything that is being said it's just like i i I just found it a little a little grown inducing yeah it's a little ham-fisted yeah a little ham-fisted but um it's only like three pages you know so um i also thought it was very funny how it looked like someone just like the that um robertson just kind of like (laughs) took a picture of an actual uh tv box and and just like put it on there and threw a wayne a wayne enterprises label yes <laughs> that was i mean i so i understand your you guys's criticisms of that scene and i don't think you're wrong that it's it's not the most subtle subtly written it is the least subtly written part of the the issue but i really liked it i uh, you know, tongue in cheek, like accepting that this is kind of a writer insertion type thing. I thought it was very interesting to have Bruce saying that about um, not really caring about the looters, like, yeah, you know, you know let, like throwing them a bone because at the beginning of the scene or at the beginning of that situation where, where he's basically like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to let them have this one or whatever. I, I kind of thought, well, that's, that doesn't seem like what Bruce, that doesn't seem like Bruce to me. And, and the main DCU Bruce is a big private property guy. Yes. <laughs> but then by the end, see, I think, I think this is, again, it may not be the most uh, subtly written thing, but I think there's a very keen point that Witta makes about like Bruce, like Bruce, doesn't think it's right that this is happening but it's not the reason why he's batman 
And right, I think that right. that is such a perfect little bit. It may not be written the most elegant way, but it's a really keen. I think it's a really keen and accurate view of how Bruce. Yes. Might see that situation. It's, it's, you know? it's a it's a very good reading of the Bruce Wayne character. Yeah. 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 Like, like, oh, this isn't why I do that. No, of course. Cause then, cause then you are just a cop, right? That's the thing that that's the thing that I think people get wrong when they try to say like Bruce Wayne is a cop or Batman is a cop. Well, you know, in a lot of interpretations, they're right. Like the way he is written. Sure. Or, but I don't think, I, I think when you think about what the ideal Batman is or what the ideal Bruce Wayne is, he's not just a cop because a cop would be the one who would be picking on these looters and, and beating them up for no reason, you know? Yeah. And, and I guess I do, I should, I, I can give it to Witta in that kind of like overwrought internal monologue is a staple of cape comics but especially batman comics yes and if you're going to do that this is actually a, a much more interesting way of doing it i guess you know mm -hmm. I, I just typically like i always hate that part of comics you know i always get mad when that happens but it and it's like part of the reason why i don't i feel like i don't like batman as much anymore because it's such like a that aspect of the character i just i just find it so grown worthy um but it is a part of the character and this is a kind of much more interesting way of doing that yeah yeah yeah, yeah i agree with that uh so I, I i agree with pretty much everything uh everything you guys said so far i really liked the dynamic between bruce and alfred and also between bruce and gordon I thought that was really well written and and pretty fun. I, I um, you know, I, I I was a little bit un unnerved that we got to see the fucking pearls again. I thought maybe <laughs> we get through this without some pearls, but we got we got some pearls. But here's my question: I have based on this. I, I just want to say one more thing before I get to that, which is that uh, Derek Robertson's art is very very good here. You know, we talked about it a little bit before. It's just sort of a classic. There's a lot of classic Batman imagery in here. You know, Vince mentioned the the animated series is a very big touchstone for this. I think also the um the 89 Batman film is referenced a number of times in some of the way things look. And it's just, you know, it's just a very classic bat interpretation and I I think it's it looks really really good. And Robertson got to do like a little bit of Joker, a little bit of Penguin and all that works pretty well. But here's my question. Obviously, continuity is one thing. But when there is a Batman story that takes place outside of continuity. From now till the end of time, will Alfred never be a part of it? I mean, will Alfred always be a part of it? Like Alfred's been dead in the comics for over a year now. Mm -hmm. But Alfred always shows up in these things. Just like, you know, there are other characters that are similar. I guess you could say like, you know, uh, Ma and Pa Kent are you know similar to that where when they're useful you see them uh brought back but it seems like alfred's always here always always here are we oh is that just gonna be the way it is from from now on yeah okay i mean i feel like alfred's gonna be back to life 
within the next like two years in the main DCU anyway. I don't disagree with that, but um, I think even if he's not, we're still going to see we're still going to see the character show up in books like this forever. Oh, yeah, I think so. I think so, because like there are like certain aspects like the Kents, like they're always going to be around because they are central to the character of Superman. And even if they're not like around in continuity at the time, stories are going to continue to use them just because it's because because it's like too good not to right um and alfred alfred is definitely like that i think he's just such an important part of who bruce Wayne. Like, he is pretty much the only connection yeah to bruce from bruce wayne as a kid to bruce wayne as an adult right like he's yeah. he's the through line there and that can be used in like interesting or, or subversive ways like wasn't was it the imposter that made it where like Alfred just gave up on Bruce because he was yes. such a little piece of shit. Like you can do interesting and different things with that too. Um, yeah. I, I think he'll be around forever. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I was just curious if you guys felt like eventually DC would start phasing Alfred out, but nah, I don't, nah, I don't think so. No. Although I still, I still haven't seen the Batman is there's an Alfred in the Batman. Yes, there is. Who plays who plays Alfred and the Batman? Andy, Andy Circus. Circus. Oh, that's right. <laughs> in full mocap suit as Gollum. Uh, uh, oh, I need to get around to watching that. It's just too damn long. Isn't Doctor Strange pretty long or is no? No, no, it's, like, no it's it's the second it's the second shortest MC. Really? Oh, yeah. good. Okay, that makes me want to see a little more. All right. I couldn't tell uh, you what the first one is, although my guess would be uh, Incredible Hulk. I'll tell you. I'm going to guess it's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one. <laughs> Here's a Screen Rant article. The MCU's five longest, parentheses, and five shortest movies. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Uh, shortest is Ant Man and the Wasp. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Hundred. No, wait. It's in reverse. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> Why do they do this? They can't say shortest and then it not be the shortest. Um. Uh, uh Thor: The Dark World is the actual oh. shortest. Oh, okay. Incredible the... Hulk is the next one. Oh, okay. Actually, they're tied. They're tied at 112 minutes. Okay. Well, unless we're going to go to the second, so I'm going to call that a win. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, any other thoughts on this book or can we move on? Um, no, but I am surprised that I do want to read the next issue, if only to see what who the Justice League is in this in this world or whatever in the Witterverse. Witterverse, the kind of funny gamer. The kind of <laughs> yes. What's um, that from? Well, the, he's he's on the kind of funny podcast, yeah, g- gaming podcast. Oh, I forgot. Uh, you'll you'll have to tell me if they have Witta on to talk about the book on the on kind of funny because I don't yeah. I don't check all the time. He is. I I I gotta say I hate listening to that program. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something that I can yell at when I'm in the car uh, in traffic. But he is legitimately the best member of that crew. Do you just do you just you don't love when they just say a baker's dozen? 
No, because they fuck it up. It used to be uh, when when they did it on IGN, it was so much funnier. They don't do it. They don't do it right anymore. Explain to me the the bit. It's so it's impossible to explain. (laughs) Okay. Okay. No. No. Here, I'll explain it. Uh, Every every episode, they do. uh, It's it's time for some news, which is another thing. It's another thing. It's the Roper report. It's time for some news. And uh, when it was on IGN, <laughs> it's time for some news that, that he's supposed to sound like an old timey radio guy saying it's time for some news. Now I'm kind of funny. They don't even bother to do the voice anymore. They phone it in so badly. It's, it's a terrible deal. It's a terrible shame. And then the, then they, then they say that how many news items there are in the Roper report. No matter what number they say, somebody else yells a baker's dozen. Except they don't say that right anymore either. It's always some bizarre. It's just it's just not right. I want it's not it's not right, folks. The they way that it very was, nice to Colin Moriarty. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> don't don't. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going there. No taxation. <laughs> Fuck you, man. All right. I'm very glad. I don't know what you guys are talking yeah. about. So. <laughs> uh... Anyway, let's move on to. Uh, We've the... alienated all of our listeners. Just for... it, only, it, it only took how many years to do this? <laughs> This is for a shitty bit that only Zach and I get. I guarantee some of our listeners were big fans of IGN podcasts circa like 2013. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I'm not one of them, uh, and that's okay. <laughs> so oh, you're, uh, you're way better off for it. <laughs> yeah, probably. All right. So up next is uh, Deathstroke Inc. number nine, the first of our two Shadow War issues for this week. Uh, this one is written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Paolo Pantalena, a.k.a. Joey, pa- Joey Pants. Um, and at the same time, we're going to talk about Robin number 14, written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Roger Cruz. We're just going to take these in, uh, you know, in, in a big burst here. So, uh, Zach, you had guessed. I don't know. Was, was it on the air or off the air? I on can't remember. Was it was on on, the air? You definitely did it on the air. And now you're doing an end zone dance. Uh, yeah, Zach guessed that Geo Force is going to be the big bad of this, and um, let's start there. What do you think of that? Like, how was that reveal handled? I think the reveal is good. I just am annoyed that it was so, so telecasted from the beginning, so telegraphed, not telecasted, so telegraphed. Tele- they were using the Fender telecaster. Yep. Josh Williamson, Leo Fender, nineteen telecasted it into my brain. <laughs> no, it's so telegraphed from the beginning. I I feel like it. The, the the tagline at the end it's like geoforce wtf and it's like it makes sense it's not a what the fuck no it's, it's because this is his 52nd appearance it means you're what right. the 52. probably probably so. you're right what the 52 what the 52nd appearance um it's it's fine um i i'm glad i was right because otherwise i would have it, there would have been so many red herrings but by the, like the end of the reveal there were so many things that's like why is the ground shaking? Right. How did he make this hole? And it's like, 
He's masking an accent. <laughs> and masking an accent. That, that one's a little bit. That's not a credit. Geoforce is the only accented character. I know, but it's just like all of these things together. Like, it's just yeah. like trying to like layer on all of the clues. And it's just like. Yeah, I don't know. I it again. I'm probably just being hypercritical. I like the I like the pull. I like that Williamson is using Geoforce in this way. Um, I think I had originally <laughs> likened it to like a it's like an identity crisis heel turn, mm-hmm. which I'm here here for. Or like no no, it's like countdown. I think I compared it to countdown to Infinite Crisis with the Maxwell Lord heel turn. Yes, that's what it really yes. reminds me of. Um, which is even more effective because that led into infinite crisis and this leading into dark crisis of our, and I've been getting big infinite crisis vibes from dark crisis. So I'm, I'm all here for that. Um, the thing I kind of want to talk about, and I think like, I felt this way the last time that there were uh, that Deathstroke and Robin came out in the same week. And it's the same this time. The Deathstroke issue is like, completely forgettable slides off my brain as soon as i read it and then the robin issue is where all the stuff happens and i wonder if that's just because of the way that williamson plotted it where it's kind of like batman deathstroke robin where like batman sets stuff up deathstroke is the middle chapter that keeps him going and then robin is the one with the reveals i feel like that's kind of the pattern we've seen but it just makes Deathstroke's so boring and I also think like consistently throughout this crossover Deathstroke has had the weakest art as well I actually Uh, think that's the bigger culprit here maybe maybe so um but it it just I just noticed it again reading it this week it's just like man this Deathstroke issue is such a slog I'm not getting anything from this and then the Robin issue is like okay yeah this is where the this is where the goods are um, but it also feels like maybe Deathstroke is, you know, I wonder how much <sighs> the Deathstroke book is in such a weird place right now because like it started off as one thing, then it's going into this crossover, then Williamson is leaving, and it's gonna become like a Deathstroke year one thing. I I feel like DC is kind of tanking this book on on kind of like a you know, bigger picture thing. Not it, It's really weird, but um, yeah, I I like these two issues as a whole, but Robin was much better. I, I don't disagree with that, though I will say I think you're being a little hard on the end. Like There's the last maybe like f- 10-ish pages of Deathstroke 1 had uh, Deathstroke holding a Clown Hunter hostage. Uh, I think that was all mid to me. Uh, well, let me get to the thing I liked about it, though. I, so I, I did not. I, I actually think that this, there was a really bad line in there where um, I forget which issue it's in, but uh, Ghostmaker basically says, I wrote it down. He says, um, like, if if uh, Clown Hunter was killed, then Batman would finally cross the line. Like, that's that's just. A, that's <laughs> yeah, a, that's so stupid. Yeah, that, 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 it that, is. That's, it is dumb, and I thought I thought Ghostmaker wanted Bruce to cross the line. I must have missed something somewhere. I don't know, but what I liked about it though was I just liked that you start to see, 
And I felt like this was the first issue where it became abundantly clear sort of what everybody's motivations are throughout this. That I felt like for the first time, Ghostmaker seemed like somebody who was interested in something other than just being like white Batman. Like he seemed like he actually had kind of a moral code and kind of a mission here. And you see sort of why Slade and, uh, you know, like Slade's position is more laid out and Batman and Robin of position. Is more, I just feel like this issue did a good job of sort of laying out where everybody is before the sort of, you know, big uh, finale in a couple of weeks. I thought that this issue did a nice job of that. That said, it looks not great. This The Robin issue looks much better. The Robin issue also has some looks like cooler set pieces, like when when Robin jumps out of the plane, when Batman Inc. like glides into action. I liked that part. It is a little bit silly that Ghost Maker used to date Angel Breaker. <laughs> yeah. There's also like a really bad bit of dialogue in there i think let me find it um it's the bit about ca- him making her his his cat woman what what was yeah, uh, you speaking of a better version you speak of being a better version of batman but you're only interested in making me your cat woman yeah that was dumb <laughs> I, I did not like that <laughs> um but i also think this is even more evidence that like williamson has big plans for angel breaker um this is like his punchline I think um, I think that he's going to do more things with Angel Breaker. I think he's going to do a Green Arrow series where and Green Arrow and Black Canary series. And it's going to be about Black Canary secretly training Angel Breaker. And she's going to be the main antagonist. That's my that's my prediction. Hmm. Vince, what do you think of these issues? Boy, uh I'm I'm pretty much going to echo what uh, Zach said in that Deathstroke Inc. number nine. Again, it's the Pantalena art for the most part. It's just kind of stiff. It it really makes me want to have Howard Porter art uh, in this thing. Um, there's some fun moments. The crime doctor being involved um, in, in Respawn's... Uh, failed operation i suppose um that bit's a little that is kind of fun him i forget what he says but something like you know can i still send you the bill or something like that you know uh it's it's a it's a good bit but for the most part this issue was really forgettable especially compared to the next issue which i thought was a lot of fun and the, the roger cruz art just suits my taste more it's a little more playful and 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 uh, the action flows a little better. Um, I, I didn't mind the telegraphing of the Geoforce thing because I'm a, I'm a dum-dum who, if Zach hadn't said anything, I probably wouldn't have um, thought that it was Geoforce because <laughs> um, I just let comics slide over my smooth brain uh, when I read them. Um, the one bit I didn't love from, from Robin was... Damien being obstinate, even in the face of uh, Bruce's apology. I'm just. It was a good apology, too. Right. Yeah. And, and I thought like, oh, that's a great. <sighs> One thing that, that I would. Was some great. That was some good writing, I think. Called Williams. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yes, very, very much so. And then that made me feel like it was wasted almost in the end, you know, like the the best apology you'll ever get from Bruce uh, ends up being a little wasted, I think. And um, and of course, Damien will eventually come around. That's how these things work. But like. I thought it was much more impactful when in, in the previous issue, I think I think it was or maybe it was at the very start of this issue. It was at the very start of this issue where Bruce apologizes and then and then Damien's like he's trying he's trying to leave Damien out of the mission and Damien jumps out of the jet and he's like, well, you'll yeah. have to stop me or whatever. I thought that would have been a really nice like, OK, Damien's begrudgingly accepting this this pretty good apology but he's still going to be who he is. And that's going to be the, the push pull dynamic between the two of them. Mm-hmm. But then by the end of the episode for him to like still tell Bruce to stuff, it is just, I felt that that kind of spoiled it. And, and part of that is part of that is my taste, like my taste for the Batman and Robin relationship is an adversarial one between him and Damien, but on the lighter side of things, you know, sure. Like they're adversarial. They don't see eye to eye that the whole classic, like parents just don't understand though. These two will never see eye to eye type thing, sit sitcom type thing, you know, but in the end, like they're going to understand one another, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel, I feel like I'm sure that's coming eventually, but I think like, like Zach said that the writing of that bit was so good that I felt like more or less resolving it right there would have been more satisfying to me. I found myself rolling my eyes when, when Damien was like, get bent old man. Um, I don't know. I understand that. I do. I think uh, I have a little bit more of a stomach for that than you do, but that's not a bad thing necessarily. What do you, what do you guys think about the respawn? stuff i think it surprisingly works well i do you think he's going to stay dead well i mean slade is also dead at the moment don't forget is he yeah oh he got shot right or stabbed 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 by uh by talia yeah ah but he's got that healing factor he's fine well what i was going to say is i feel like this is heading towards lazarus pits uh I, I feel like it would be a big waste for Respawn to die already. So I, I think for that reason, he will be back. Vince, do you have any strong thoughts on that? I don't know. I don't care. I don't, I don't care about Respawn. <laughs> um, what did you think about the sort of different um, like motivations that come into play here? Like We see that at this point, Slade is not interested in killing Talia. He's interested in killing Bruce and Damien and making Talia watch. I thought that was a pretty good piece of writing for just like how sadistic Slade is here. You disagree, Vince? No, sure. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 th- I, I thought you said no. Um, no, no. Okay. Um, I, I liked that. I thought that, you know, I thought the Geoforce's motivation is actually like, you know, Zach's been saying kind of pretty easy to telegraph like what his motivation was going to be between his sister, you know, and uh, and the stuff with event uh, Leviathan and all of that. But I thought that it was handled really well. I, I I think I I think I very much enjoy 
the way that Williamson has laid out the story. I think Geoforce is a very cool character with a with a pretty unusual power set that should get used more in DC, and he hasn't been used. I, mean, I can't even tell you the last time he had an actual storyline. He hasn't had. I don't feel like he's had prominence since like that Brad Meltzer yeah. Justice League. Uh, no, he was. Um, he yeah, after led, that he was in the Titans, wasn't he? Uh, he was in the Outsiders, I believe. That was uh, that was later or before. No, after so. There was a period where, because The Outsiders was always a Batman book, like a Batman adjacent book. There was a period when Dan DiDio was writing it where it was a Superman adjacent book and the Cyborg Superman. Okay, I was getting that mixed up with Titans. Okay, that's Cyborg, what, Super, that's Cyborg, Cyborg yeah. Superman like uh, becomes like a Markovian citizen or something like that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, I, I was conflating those two books together okay. because they were so similar visually. Yes, they were. Absolutely. Uh, Philip Tan and... Uh, I can't remember who was on Titans. Yeah. But it was someone similar. But yeah, it's been a long time since Geoforce has done anything interesting. So this is this is great for that reason. Um and yeah, I just I, I'm I'm hopeful that this story is going to continue to be to, I, my whole thing with, with any of these comics is that I I am a stickler. I want there to be motivations that make sense for the characters. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, well, say what you want about this book so far. I feel like there are, I do understand what everyone's going for here. I understand what everyone's motivations are. And that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think where this, I, I think this, where this series, the series has like a lot of good ideas and a, some, some good writing behind it. It's all very well thought out. I think, or this crossover, I should say, I think where it has faltered a little bit is in the art and in the pacing. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you're wrong about that. Um, all right, well, let's take a break. And we return, we have a couple more books to talk about. So stay tuned. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed like Dan Klaus' Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe. Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. All right, we're going to talk just about the backup in Detective Comics number 1060, which is, of course, the Gotham Girl backup written by Cena Grace, illustrated by David Lapham. Uh, Lapham, rather. Uh, Vincey. You love this first one quite a bit. How do you feel about the second installment? Yeah, I'm I'm liking this a lot still. Um, I'm I'm continuing to be fascinated by the tone of it. Um, just the bit where the bit where she's in that 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 club or that like gangster place and and uh, or or. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but there's like techno mercenaries after her mm-hmm. and, 
and she, because she's been, they think she's been posting about some guy named Paul Perlman, but really it was this other guy who was doing it under the Gotham girl website, right, right. which is kind of like the gossip girl thing. <laughs> like it's a, it's a weird, they don't really acknowledge it or, 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 uh, you know, a, a lesser writer would be like, hey, this is just like that uh, CW show or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it is called Gotham Girl. Yeah, yes, but uh, I'm saying a lesser writer would like explicitly point that out. Sure, sure. You know, um, and, so, a, so- and a greater writer would say there's a bunch of uh, tech mercenary guys outside my house telling me to log off. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. Uh, exactly. And that's that's so like funny and yet yet it's it's a very serious there's there's like serious subject matter going on here but it's filtered through a very funny worldview of like what is essentially a teenager Mm -hmm. um and i i love the tone that it's striking um because i think i think it also shows more than it tells like when when uh, when Gotham Girl, like at the very beginning of the story, um, Gotham Girl doesn't know what to do. This is after she finds her friend dead um, and like steals that laptop. But the way that it's written, like you can just tell that her like her mind is racing. She doesn't know what to do, even though she's a superhero. And even though she had, she is a superhero, she ends up calling 911, right? Mm-hmm. Which seems like such a strange thing. Like you wouldn't, you do not see like normal DC characters doing that, right? Because why would they? Except that here, like there's more going on with this character uh, to the point where, where she doesn't know she could be relying on her powers or whatever, or doesn't consider that, you know? I just think it's really smart writing um, to show somebody messing up in a, in a very real way without calling too much attention to it or like overwriting it the way that again, like Tom King would, you know, if this were Tom King, we would get all this um, internal monologue or something about, that would essentially diagnose her, right? Whereas instead we get a very uh, realistic and kind of um, in the moment internal monologue from her that's like panicked and sloppy, right? right it's not right. overwritten. It's like intentionally sloppy to show to us the way that her mind is racing at any given time. And I think I think that's the tone that is struck here is, is really interesting and, and, and kind of perfect without leaning one way or the other too much. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I would also say that this book, this story rather is doing uh, an interesting job of like casting someone like Chase Meridian in a little bit of a different light, which is pretty fun. Uh, you know, we, we've seen Chase Meridian come back in the pages of Detective Comics, but here, you know, uh, Gotham Girl accuses her of being a murderer, and I'm sure that will not be what we think it is because this is comics, but I enjoyed that little bit. And I just love... I love that this book is 
like you were saying, Vince, there's just such a unique tone to it. Serious stuff is happening and it's drawn by this amazing comic artist. So everything looks beautiful, but it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's just a really interesting tone. And I find that Cena Grace is just like the best writer to handle this. Mm-hmm. It's just a perfect Cena Grace book. Um, he is able to do comedy, do stuff that's a little bit more serious. And he does so in such in a way that feels to me very just uh breezy and light. And that's that's his even when it gets super serious, it doesn't feel dour, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm impressed by how much story and plot and information is conveyed in, in just 10 pages. It's like you know, comics work on this paradigm of where it has to be 20, 22 pages or whatever. And this does so much with just 10 pages. It's really good. It's paced super well. Everything that you guys said, I, I agree with. I, I really hope this is one of those cases where this ends up getting uh, collected into like a one shot. And then we get a six issue miniseries or something with <laughs> with this creative team or like you a hope this gets like the, the sort of asriel treatment yeah i hope this gets the asriel or um I, I feel like there's maybe been a couple more things that have kind of gotten that um i guess i'm thinking of like the tim drake that that backup is getting collected into a one shot and then there, there are a few others too but yeah i wanted to get asriel i want all the good things to get <laughs> I want the Asriel series to get an Asriel and I want the Gotham Girl series to get an Asriel. I want 100 <laughs> issues of Gotham Girl. Let's do it. Um, Let's get there. Her costume is so good. I can't get over it. It's so good. 10 out of 10. Yes. Yeah. I wa- oh, man. I want a team book with Gotham Girl on it. <laughs> yeah yeah she'd be great as part of a ensemble what do you think this, would be her uh her team i don't know task it would be task force something unfortunately <laughs> oh, no. yeah. task force gg good game nothing girl all right they call her Gotham Girl, but she's not from Gotham. <laughs> All right, let's get to our final book of the week, which is Teton Titans Academy number 15, written by Tim Sheridan, illustrated by Tom Derenick. Did either of you folks go back and read issue 14, which was part one of this two-part story? I think I skimmed it. I didn't I didn't read it, though. I I've read every issue of this. Okay. Um I think that this this reads the first half of this issue and all of last issue felt like it was a fun little side story involves apocalypse and all this stuff. But does the back half of this issue definitely feels like Tim Sheridan trying to wrap up 15 issues with a story in a succinct way. And it suffers a little before that, though. I do like these characters a lot. And I do want to see more with these characters, but it's just not, I don't know. I I felt a little bit disappointed by just how disjointed this last issue felt. It's, it stinks. (laughs) There were some good parts to it. I won't let you. Uh, 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 I mean, 
And I, the, the thing that stinks about it is not Tim Sheridan's fault. I don't think I'm not, I'm not trying to blame the writer. I'm not, you know, it is a crime. What DC did to this book, I think. Um, I, I also think that, you know, not to, not to, not to blame a specific person or a specific editor or anything. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes at all, but part of me wonders like if you, if you unfortunately think there's a decent chance that a book might fail to have the kind of sales that you, you want or need which unfortunately seems to be what goes on with Teen Titans because they, they sure do relaunch it a lot or reimagine it a lot or sometimes don't even have a Teen Titans book. I, I feel like somebody's got to be like, okay, you have a lot of great ideas here, but we need to focus on like two of them <laughs> for a while. I mean, I think, again, I don't think it's Tim Sheridan's fault because in a just in a just world um, a book is allowed to go for like 50 issues and this uh, fully formed deep story is told like, like it used to be, you know, before, before books got cut after eight or 12 issues, you know? Um, But that doesn't happen anymore. And so the way that this ended up is so egregiously, flop sweaty you know like this 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 issue felt like a writer just trying his best to make every scene one that wraps up a a a certain plot thread no matter how crammed in or or out of left field it kind of feels um and it's just a shame it had to be like that because this i as much of the ingredients of this as i like this last issue was like painful to read from a structural standpoint. Um, the Diego stuff on its own, the Chupacabra uh, uncle uh, George Perez part, like mm-hmm. that stuff is, is, is really great and, and, and beautiful. If it didn't feel like it was getting wedged into a book edgewise, and not being given room to breathe and uh, allowing it to have an impact. You know what I mean? That, that, that was some weird stuff. Yeah. That, I, that felt very out of place to it, me. It felt like it was meant to be something that was, that happened across an arc that they had to just jam into two issues. I mean, I get why they would want to do it. Oh, sure. Especially, yeah. and especially like in the timing and, and feeling like, well, it does seem like an idea that Sheridan maybe had and wanted to do, like you said, over a longer period of time. But then it's like, okay, I only have two issues to do this. So I'm going to do it. But yeah. Man, how big of a bummer is it that we had to do that, had to give an issue to the or three tie-in thing. Uh, and it was the it was the most ill-fitting member of that tie-in as well. Like yes. Did did not feel like it belonged at all. 
Um, I I I wanted this to to be good and go for a long run as badly as anything I've read in the last, you know, five to 10 years. Yeah. And they, I, I know it's a business. I know it's like Pollyanna ish to like say, well, like, why couldn't you just let this, you know, but it, it really, really spoiled what was going on here. It's also, it's really weird to me. I mean, I, again, I get why they do this. It's very weird that Sheridan brought in the future state c- cyborg beast boy amalgamation. To be for in like, it for five seconds. Yeah, for, for like, yeah. And to, but like, they're still, they are still technically one person, but Raven magic them so that they look like they're two separate people. And it's like, it's a reverse firestorm. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. I thought you were going to say it's two reverse landfill. It is a reverse <laughs> landfill. Yes. It is a reverse <laughs> landfill. Okay. You guys are part of the, uh, uh, we're actually uh, one consciousness in two bodies, but um, you know, for the rest of the movie, you, you just treat me like I'm beast boy and you treat me like I'm cyborg. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, but I just like, why even do it in the first place? Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a bad idea. Other than to just be like, oh, future state, <laughs> you know. I mean, did did what were was he like contractually obligated to to tie that in and resolve it? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. And it's like so much is still just like up in the air because like we don't. Sheridan was a writer coming off of future state in this book and I someone we were really excited about someone we really liked and now you know he's one of the co-writers of flashpoint beyond but we don't know what else he's what he's doing next yeah and we don't and so he, he his future is up in the air a lot of these characters are up in the air and we probably won't know until after dark crisis right right uh, he did. I know he hasn't stopped doing animation stuff. DC just released. There was the, their latest like uh, animated release is four different shorts. Mm-hmm. And one of them is The Losers. And that one was written by Tim Sheridan. Interesting. Uh, also on that is a Blue Beetle short that the story of but not the script is by Jeremy Adams. And it's by far the best thing on there. Hmm. It's done like a Batman 66 episode, essentially. Interesting. With with all the uh, Charlton characters. Ah, oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, it's fun. Is that on HBO Max or is it only um, talk amongst yourselves? I'll, fi- I'll figure it out. I can search for it too, but um, uh, there's also like bits like uh, what's the kid's name? Uh, Matt is his name, Matt. The Yeah, the Omega Beams guy. Right. Who yeah. may or may not be apocalyptic. Yeah. 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 With this whole series, it's kind of been like uh, hinted at that he might have like Kryptonian ties. Because his power set is very similar, but in this issue, his eye beams do the Omega thing, and so mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I think someone even refers to him as like Darkseid's illegitimate son Grand or something, son like, something, that. Like, that. Yeah, something uh, like that. Yeah, something like that. It is not an HBO Max yet. Okay, okay. Um, but um, yeah, it's like, where are any of these threads going to pick up? Where are we ever going to see Stitch again? You know. Um, Oh, I have to. I have to imagine Stitch will be like Bunker, where they will show up 
at some point, but they will be like just background noise. What I want is for Sheridan to become like the next Tom Taylor where he gets gets to do his own Elseworld stuff, but he brings in all of his like mainline DCU creations into his Elseworld stuff and does stuff with them there mm-hmm. and gets to go wild. That That's what I want, but who knows? Or maybe, who knows, maybe he'll bring some of these characters into animation and give them a bigger audience. That'd be cool. Sure. Yeah. Uh, be down with that. Maybe we'll get a Teen Titans Academy uh, DC original animation thing. I will say my my one positive note on this that I have a couple of positives, but my biggest one is it doesn't say never the end at the end. <laughs> so I'm so tired of that. But no, I thought that the Billy Batson stuff with like with Teddy and Dan and all that, that was fun. I think it's fun to have um, Matt be apocalyptic. I generally like all of these characters. I I generally like what they were doing throughout this. I didn't love the Chupacabra stuff. It just felt very out of place and strange to me. I don't dislike the idea of it. It just the, the placement in the series feels very yeah. strange to me. I, I liked that stuff a lot, but it deserved better than it really felt like a throwaway thing here well i i kept feeling like uncle jorge was going to turn out to be somebody shady or evil or something like there was just i they were setting him up like he was supposed to be somebody more than just like his uncle he's george perez yeah i know he, that but but they they, they didn't why do would it. they make him evil <laughs> no, no, what I, would have been really funny is if they tied it into green lantern and made him like the same aspect of the source yes. as Kirby, Jim. That, uh, that would be very fun. Gosh. No, what, what I meant by that, Vince, is I felt like it wasn't. How can I say this? They kept they kept putting the character into these situations that seemed really weird. And like that's a, obviously it's a George Perez homage, but it was but he, it was it was like drawing George Perez as if he was your creepy uncle. Like, I don't know. It just it didn't feel it felt like uh, I know what you're going to say. I'm going to be fucking edit the show again. We lost the man recently. Don't bring that up. Um, <laughs> I say anything. Oh, I don't please. Know I, I hear your fucking giggles over there. Such a liar. But I no, know what he's he, he loved all... pogs. What can we say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, no, I just felt like the, they Step kept positioning. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They they kept positioning the character to be like, just to be weird. I don't know. I can't feel like it was supposed to be more to the character because it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't executed that well, I guess. Do you I guess think that's, that's more to the art or do you think it's in the dialogue too? I don't know. I, th- I think it's in the dialogue too. I just think he was, they they were doing it like he would. I kept feeling like the character was hiding something. That's what I wanted to say. The character was like is hiding something the whole was time. Was it because he was wearing sunglasses? Of course. I I didn't I didn't get that at all. I thought oh, the okay. character was just a sweet old man who like he wasn't hiding something. He was trying to he was trying to help get something out of Diego without being overt or pushy about it, you know? It just I know. It just I didn't think it was executed all that well. I liked it. It just wasn't executed that well. Sorry. Hmm. But I mean, I, th- I think overall these characters are all really interesting, and I like the fact that the, it was this didn't end. I was afraid the series was going to end with them like 
saying this was a mistake of an idea and they're going to close down the academy. I like the fact that theoretically somebody can come back and pick this up, even if no one ever will. And the biggest problem with this book is just that Tom Derenick illustrated, excuse me, the last like however many issues. It's not a good fit for his style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Vincey, what's coming out next week? Um, oh, damn it. <laughs> Every I mean, week you treat this like it's a surprise. Nah, I, I I meant to look this up and and uh and I didn't. So um talk amongst yourselves for a second. So uh Zach recently celebrated a birthday. Happy birthday, Zach. Wow, way to dox me. Again, I said recently, I'm not saying when it was. Uh <laughs> just trying to be nice. <laughs> celebrate another year with my good friend Zach who makes my life better in so many ways I know is know this, what is this right I, I, oh there's, go ahead there's only like there's only like six books or something yeah because it's a weird like fifth week oh yeah I guess it is it's the 31st isn't it yeah all right, Batman 20, uh, 2022 annual, Action Comics 2022 annual, Nice House on the Lake number nine. I'm only saying that because there's so few books. Justice League, Road to Dark Crisis number one, Shadow War Omega number one, Batman Beyond the White Knight Showcase Edition number one. We're reading all of them, folks. Nope. nope. No, we're not. No, we're reading what? Justice League, Road to Dark Crisis and Shadow War Omega. Uh, the Williamson books again and Draculina number four. Draculina, Draculina. I think all of us did the Trump voice at least three times tonight for no real reason. <laughs> it's it's fun. It's fun to do. <laughs> uh, I, hate, I hate his guts, but it's so much fun. <laughs> you know that if somebody showed Trump a Draculina comic, he would be entranced by it. He would. You know what he would do? He would remember a uh, uh, some kind of star from the eighties that. He would say, that's Draculina. <laughs> she could play that. She'd be perfect. Samantha Fox would be a great Draculina. There you go. <laughs> Sylvia Saint. <laughs> We're just getting bad. These don't even sound like Trump anymore. <laughs> they never did. No, but they sound even less like Trump now. Anyway, you can find two thirds of us on Twitter. I am a Brian needs an app. I'm at Wilker Fox. And Vince is uh, casting Draculina in his head. I'm not. No. <laughs> all, all night, every night. Draculina this, Draculina that. All right, folks. Have a good one. Bye. Uh, Zach, that's a Winnie the Pooh character. I know who Winnie the Pooh is. I play Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs>